everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. I'm a co-editor, Joseph Abraham, and I'm joined with, by a staff writer, Isabel Braverman. And we have three special guests with us this evening. Uh, we have uh, Dana Halperin, Juanita Sarmiento, and Crystal Statton. And um, before we get started with any questions, I would just like to ask our special guests if they tell us a little bit about themselves, uh, where you're from, what you study, and um, what uh, different um, organizations you're a part of, and then also feel free when you mention those organizations to let people know where they can go to get more information. Hi, my name is Juanita. I am the coordinator for Sullivan County and the Youth Economic Group of Rural and Migrant Ministry. I graduated from Fallsburg High School and then went on to study biology at um, Rochester Institute of Technology, and I graduated from RIT in 2015. Um, spent a few years there, then came back and started getting into volunteering and social justice around this area. And that's how I ended up here. Um, my name is Dana. I am also a Fallsburg graduate. Um, I studied uh, sustainable agriculture and food production in Vermont. Um, and then I decided to move back to Sullivan County and I got two culinary degrees from SUNY Sullivan. Um, and now I'm a farm to table chef at Early Bird Cookery in Calicoon. I'm also a committee member of a new organization, the Committee for Equity and Justice. It's a subcommittee of SALT. Juanita's on the committee too. Um, and I'm the chair of the, or the president of the Sullivan County Young Democrats. Um, and I'm also on the Fallsburg, uh, Fallsburg Democrat board. Um, my name is Crystal. I'm a recent graduate from Pace University. I finished my MBA in public accounting. Um, I'm back in Monticello for the summer with my parents. And then I have an audit position out in Stanford. Um, so I'll be leaving in October. I just recently became involved in activism, so I'm not on any committees, but I'm looking to assist and help and make a difference in any way that I can while I'm here. Moving into um, some of our questions that we have. Um, so you're all from this area and uh, you grew up here. Um, we hear all the time so many people saying that young people are leaving the area, um, but we don't hear about all the people staying or going someplace else and then coming back. So. Uh, what made you want to stay in the community? Dana? Sure, I'll start. Um, so I originally was not going to come back to Sullivan County. Um, Post-graduation from college, I was living in Vermont, um, and I was pretty happy there. But Sullivan County just pulled me back. Like this, the culture and community of Sullivan County is so unique and so diverse. And, um, and I just felt like I really kind of owed something to the community that raised me to bring my education back to the county um, and kind of, you know, do something here, reconnect with, you know, different generations in the area that had helped raise me, my peers that I grew up with. Um, you know, it's just really disheartening to see every person pretty much that gets a college education leaves Sullivan County. Um, but I understand there's not a lot of jobs here. There's not a lot of opportunity. There's not a lot for like the younger generation to do. For me as a 
queer person, it was a tough choice to move back to Sullivan County when I knew that there wasn't like the strong queer community that I was used to. But, you know, like anything, if you want to build community, build it yourself. So we've connected with new people now and we're getting the young Dems really going. And a lot of um, like diverse people from different backgrounds are on that in that group now. And I feel just really fortunate to have like a strong group of friends that came out of that. Juanita, do you want to uh, jump in? Yeah, of course. Um, so I came back for similar reasons as Dana. I wasn't planning on coming back, um, but situations happened back to back while I was living in Rochester. So it just made sense to come home. And while I was here, I was, you know, feeling myself, like feeling it around, feeling Sullivan County around to see what I fit in best. Um, and I've always done volunteer work with young kids and that's what I was doing when I found the position as a volunteer with the youth economic group and I fell in love with the group because it's um, an empowerment group for young people in the Sullivan County area doesn't matter what high school you go to they can be part of it and not just that, they own their own business um, called Bags for Justice. And this is one of the t-shirts. It says, you are not alone. And it's got like five different languages that say you're not alone on it. Um, and they just make this incredible like, um, project. So I thought, like, why not help people out that are like me that I was in, in high school and give them the opportunities that I wasn't given? And Crystal, I know you're a recent college grad, but um, you are here for the summer. So how has that been so far, you know, being back here? Um, it's been an incredible change coming back home. I met so many amazing people this summer. Dana and Juanita being the top two, I will say. Um, they've inspired me. They've empowered me. They've helped me realize that you really can make a difference with not just your voice, but with gathering others and showing them what it means to really unite a community and um, just not stand down when someone tries to silence you or tries to suppress your thoughts. They can't stop you if you just keep going. And with lovely, I don't even want to say cohorts, but with lovely people, you can really make a strong message, travel a thousand miles if you need to. Okay, um, going into our next question, I know the three of you have either helped organize or taken part in protests across the area um, the last couple of weeks. And um, I was wondering if you guys could tell us a little bit about your experiences uh, with those protests. Have things been mostly positive? Has, have you been met with uh, resistance uh, from the community or has it been more unified? So just if you could speak on a few of your specific experiences so far. Um, I can start with the um, protest following after the board meeting. Um, it seemed like everybody was on the same page. We were able to get the event page started that night for a protest to start that next morning. Um, we received a lot of help, a lot of coordination. I reached out to friends and they were more than willing to get this protest started. Um, the only resistance that um, was met were from people who don't understand why we are marching, why we are protesting. Um, they think it's pointless. They think that the racist comment wasn't a big deal. Um, it wasn't anything worth getting bent out of shape over. Um, the police department, when I called them, they were polite, they were accommodating. They weren't going to march with us, but they were 
you know, they were present to ensure the safety of everyone involved. They had no problem with us going to Village Hall, going to JJ Summers, the mayor's business. Um, and then even afterwards, we received more support, even more backlash after the mayor's statement. Um, a lot of people didn't understand why we were still frustrated after Jones, um, Raymond Jones had resigned. Um, it just seemed people were missing the message, missing the point. Um, they excuse racism rather than condemning it. They just allow a hostile work environment to continue on. And nobody really wants to support change when it has a racist premise to it. I don't know, people just like to turn a blind eye and just allow it to continue for whatever reason. And um, a lot of people are finally standing up and refusing to allow it to continue on the way that it has. Sure, and Juanita and Dana, um, if either one of you want to jump in and also speak on your experiences the last couple of weeks? Sure, so, um, you know, kind of the three of us, Juanita, Crystal, and I have coincidentally, you know, teamed up. It was a chance encounter. Um, there was a protest going on in Liberty, and I reached out to the organizers, and I said, can I help in any way? Like, I can make a flyer for you. So I made a flyer and sent it to them. And um, then I had somebody reach out to me and say, the Sullivan County Sheriff's Department wants to speak to one of the organizers of this protest. They want to speak to Crystal Stanton. And I didn't know Crystal. So I was going to message the person that I had been talking to. And I was like, let me just look her up on Facebook and message her directly. So I messaged her and we were kind of talking. And then that night we called into the town of Thompson Zoom board meeting and I saw Crystal there. Um, and then they ended the board meeting without taking a public comment, and we all kind of reconnected and jumped on a Zoom board meeting planning the next um, demonstration in Monticello the next day. So thank you to Sullivan County Sheriff's Department for connecting us. Like, you, <laughs> you built a powerhouse group, um, and we appreciate it. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, I've attended – um, a few different rallies in Monticello, um, South Fallsburg, Calicoon, um, and everything has been very positive. Um, there have been, you know, a couple people out just counter protesting, but the overwhelming majority of people participating in the um, demonstrations don't engage with counter protesters. They know that that just dilutes the message. Um, and it just is really empowering to see um, this new generation of young people actually taking notice and getting involved in politics and, and realizing that they can have a change on the local level and that we can make our local government look like us and share our ideals and be more inclusive. Um, we have gotten a little bit of pushback just from the older generation saying that, you know, we don't know anything, we're young, um, we're too idealistic, um, you know, but those things are going to change. I mean, the only way to make positive change in your community is to elicit that change. And we're not dumb. Like, we know what we're doing. We know what the uh, process is for passing new amendments into town codes. And we know what the New York State election law is. We know exactly what we're asking for, and we expect to see action on it. And we're not going to stop until we see that. Yeah, these demonstrations have been... Um, completely positive. I've been to different ones that Dana and Crystal have been to, and I haven't had any issues at any of them, except for a little heat exhaustion from some people because it's been so hot out these days. But 
um, to see the community all band together um, in all these different communities out in Orange County, Ulster County, Dutchess County. Um, it's been wonderful. I was just at the Port Jervis one the other day and the amount of people that were there, not only just showing up, but donating, they had literally a mountain of water um, because of all the people that were donating. And every time anybody went to grab anything from the table, which everything on the table was free, people would be putting money into a donation box. So um, I think these movements are creating such a strong community between everybody. Because, you know, in, the, in a normal day-to-day -day life, we, we just focus on ourselves, our job, the work we got to do this week. We don't sit here and think about the next person in the next town over. Um, but we've been all over the place, not just here in Sullivan County. And it's great to see that. Um, I always have something more to say, but it always dissipates. So I'll say it later if it comes back. I just wanted to add too, like it has been really positive um, to see like a small grassroots movement gain momentum, become more organized. And, you know, we're out there distributing water. We're making sure everybody's wearing masks. Like we're making sure everybody is safe, that we're not violating any laws, that everybody is peaceful. Um, this is turning into a very organized movement. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next question is, um, what other protests or events do you have scheduled? Um, I know there's a big conversation going on right now about keeping the momentum. So um, do you have other things planned for the future and, you know, or other people that uh, you're seeing? So with, apart from this group, um, going back to work, my job and I are planning a um, movement out in Newburgh next Friday. And I know, Crystal, you have something planned this weekend. Yeah, the Liberty protest. This one's going to be a little different. Um, it's still heavily centered on the Black Lives Matter movement, but we're more so supporting Black excellence, so Black artists, local Black businesses, um, any poets that want to come up and speak. It's more so when the political aspect of the world fails us, we can uplift each other within our own community. Um, people love to bring up Black-on-Black -black crime, so it does show that there is a divide in the community and this event is sort of to focus on unifying our own community and uplifting each other. Um, I heard this woman speak at Fallsburg on how she fostered so many young black men. Um, and although some of them were in trouble with law enforcement, they were never injured, they were never killed, it did not end their lives. So that just shows that if we support um, our adolescents and these young men and women who are growing up, some of them in horrible situations. We really can't help them through anything. We can help supply a positive future for them. And whatever potential is there, we can help grow it. So that's what this event is um, going to be dedicated towards, just uplifting our youth, connecting the community, and just staying strong and not letting all of this passion and all of this fire die out. And then there's also a um, demonstration uh, tomorrow, Saturday, in Monticello at 12 on the courthouse lawn. Um, and that is specifically, um, you know, obviously we're sending the message that Black Lives Matter and we stand with the movement, but we're, that's also specifically um, directed to the Village Board of Monticello and the mishandling of um, 
the situation with Raymond Jones and the racist language that he used. So we're going to continue to be out there demonstrating. There's also another um, car caravan, Black Lives Matter in Monticello from 11 to 3 tomorrow, Saturday, meeting at the government center. Um, and then we have a meeting on Monday to discuss our steps for the next week. And that's kind of the interesting thing we've seen uh, the last couple of weeks is you can throw throw something together last minute and it seems to have a better turnout than something that you advertise for days. So we're going to have a whole slate of events uh, coming for next week too. And um, I just want to clarify, you know, the things that uh, you guys were just speaking about with the incident in the village of Monticello. I mean, one, maybe one of you guys could just explain it a little more just for people listening who may, may not know about it. So um, there was a video that came to light a few weeks ago, and it was the um, village of Monticello Department of Public Works supervisor, Raymond Jones. He was caught on tape. Um, he referred to an employee as a racial slur, the N-word, two times. Um, and the village of Monticello was aware of the video, the board, and they decided to not come out with the video because they're all up for re-election in September, September 15th, 2020, we're coming for you. And, uh, and so then eventually the video was leaked to the public. It kind of went viral. It was picked up by, by um, different news channels and the village board had a Zoom call meeting, their monthly meeting. They did not address the topic. They asked anybody who had a public comment to be made to submit it, submit it by 12 noon that day. We all submitted public comments. There were over 60 people on the call. They ended the call without um, reading the public comment. They also were in violation of the New York State Open Meeting Law because they ended the call without a second adjournment to the, a second to the motion to adjourn and without taking a vote on that adjournment. Um, and then the following day, we demonstrated in Monticello. The mayor came out and said that Raymond Jones had resigned, um, that they had not done any research into the legality of his termination because he was a union employee. Um, so they hadn't even done any diligence with figuring out what it would take to actually fire him. At that point, he had been collecting, he was on paid leave, so he was being paid to stay home. Uh, what a luxury. And um, so we're going to continue to march. There was also numerous um, responses from one of the board members, Carmen Rue, who was excusing the racist remark, saying that the video was taken out of context, that it was provoked by six men sitting around in the town barn provoking him. Um, that it was adultery, that it was a political ploy. I watched the whole 20 minute video. First of all, it's never okay to use a racial slur for somebody. Second of all, there was zero provocation. There was three provocation. There were three men sitting around on taxpayer dime, um, smoking cigarettes in the town barn. And Raymond Jones used those racial slurs like he was referring to the guy's first name. And the person who was secretly reporting him knew that if he rolled the video for long enough that this was this guy's normal behavior, he was going to just say those words. Uh, he also used some homophobic slurs. He used the R word. Um, so then Carmen Rue continued to excuse the behavior, saying that Raymond Jones isn't a racist. He's a good guy. He lives in the village of Monticello. He pays taxes. He is a Spanish wife, so he can't be racist. Um, and that's really not acceptable for, to us. We expect to see more action from the village of Monticello board. So we're going to continue to demonstrate. We're going to continue to register voters. And we're going to push for, uh, for new, new faces on that board. September 15th, 2020. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, anytime that anybody tries to contradict that statement about, you know, Raymond Jones being a taxpayer, and because he's married to a Spanish person, um, that means he can't be racist, that um, Corman ruins up attacking whoever um, contradicts that point. But right now, I don't think she's heard this from a Latina woman. You can be racist if you are Latino or not. Just because I speak Spanish, yo también puedo hablar español y yo también puedo ser racista si yo quiero. Pero no soy. But if you sit here and you defend somebody's words because they might have been provoked, I would consider that racism too. Just like the saying goes, silence is violence. And, you know, standing up for something that's wrong is, makes you wrong as well. And um, on the topic of demonstrations, uh, for whatever reason, if people can't make a demonstration, they, their schedule is conflicting, or perhaps they're part of the older generation, and there's still a lot of concerns with COVID-19 and the ongoing pandemic, uh, what are some other ways that people uh, can assist and, um, and help get involved um, if they can't make it in person to one of these events? So a lot of organizers are collecting um, money for water, for hand sanitizer and masks to give out to people. So that's one of the more immediate ways that you can help. But there's also petitions, like one of the petitions that was just started regarding um, this situation with the DPW worker. So uh, the more signatures that we get, the more that this can be noticed. And we can also show that the community is behind us. Um, there's also hundreds of other petitions and hundreds of other organizations to donate to. New York City is not too far from us and thousands of protesters have been arrested and jailed and they need um, help with the situations that they're put in at the moment. Yeah, so if Juanita was saying we have a petition going right now on change.org that we will be submitting to the um, Village of Monticello board. And it's basically just in support of the 12 requests that the Young Democrats are making um, of the Village of Monticello board. We started it yesterday and we have over 600 signatures. So that's really taken off. Um, you can email your local elected officials asking them to issue a statement of condemnation of racist behavior and police brutality, um, whether that's on the state level, the county level, the village level. We're also asking people to email the Village of Monticello Board and ask them to take action on the um, specific situation regarding Raymond Jones. Um, donate to bail relief funds if you have financial means to do so. Um, uh, the Sullivan County Legislature has still not made a statement condemning police brutality um, or talking about the disparities with the way that people of color are treated by police. So we are also asking people to email the Sullivan County legislatures. Their email addresses are all on the Sullivan County website. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some local organizations in Sullivan County that they might not be directly involved with Black Lives Matter, but they're um, providing services to communities that are primarily communities of color. Um, one of them is Engine Center. They're doing a uh, basically mobile food drive. They drive around and deliver over 4,000 meals every single week, and the majority of them are going to people of color, so you can donate to them to continue those efforts. 
to add to that, um, rural and migrant ministry constantly works with um, lower income and rural communities throughout all of New York, Sullivan County being one of them. I am the only Sullivan County worker right now, but my, my job is to uplift our community and uplift the youth mainly. Great. Um, oh, sorry, one other thing to add. Sure. We're, we're also getting into campaign season right now. So you can phone bank for Delgado and Metzger. They have them every week, Thursday nights. It's super easy. Um, and that's just a good way to make sure that we have more progressive change in our um, state government. Senator Metzger just voted in support of repealing um, 50A, which passed in New York. So it's important to keep progressive politicians like that in office this November. Yeah, and I've noticed at some of the protests, um, I saw in Calicoon that they, uh, people are having voter registration tables. So if you are there, you can um, sign up to vote if you haven't already. Um, and that actually uh, brings me into our next question. Um, we've started to see police reform take place across the country. Um, in New York, officials have passed an anti-chokehold law and repealed the 50A law, as Dana just mentioned, um, which uh, shielded disciplinary records. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are these good steps to take? Does it go far enough? Um, what else do you wanna see? So I think that chokehold bill and the repeal of the 50A section is crucial to the safety of civilians. Um, I've mentioned it several times. My father is an NYPD police officer. He's active at the moment. Um, I asked about the stance of kneeling on a perp's neck, and the only time you kneel and on their upper back, not their neck, is when they are resisting arrest and you have to handcuff them. Once they are cuffed, you remove your knee from their back in its entirety. You do not stay kneeling on a suspect that is laying face down on the ground like that. Um, and along with the chokehold bill, um, they also added the Right to Record Act. Um, a lot of officers try to hinder the act of someone recording, and they find faulty charges to arrest them on. So it's um, offering more protections for those who are recording these um, brutality cases that are occurring. And it's just, it, people say that they're anti-police laws. A lot of them have been worded as anti-police laws, but it's just a method, as we always say, of policing the police. Um, these restrictions are needed. It's needed to protect civilians, especially since the argument of resisting arrest comes into play. Those who do not resist arrest, they're still being killed. Regardless whether it's a nonviolent crime or not, you do not have a right to kill an unarmed civilian who is in, essentially in your mercy. There's no need for violence. Um, there is no need to kneel on somebody for eight minutes and restrict their breath. There's just no need to brutalize a black man just because you feel slightly threatened. You're going through all this training, you are armed, you have non-lethal methods of detaining a suspect. And I think these bills are crucial in just allowing civilians to be civilians and not having to be so fearful when it comes to these civil servants who are supposed to serve them. I think it's important to celebrate um, each win because every win, whether it's convincing somebody to get on your side or passing a whole law um, is really important, but I think it's also important to not lose sight of the, the final goal, right? Our schools are, um, being hurt so badly by the lack of funding. The communities in which our people live in are 
deplorable or disgraceful. Um, so we, we do have a long way to go before things can get better. But I think that these things are all really great, um, great starting points. And I know that, you know, this is across the country, but it happens here in Sullivan County too. The police forces are overwhelmed. You know, they're understaffed, they're overwhelmed. If somebody is having a mental health crisis, like the police are called, if there's, you know, any situation of um, substance abuse, the police are called. Like these are things that, and the police, you know, they, they are now having to respond to all these calls when, you know, maybe there are violent situations that they should be responding to instead. And these are situations that maybe aren't best handled by the presence of a police officer. So there can be a shift of funding that takes some of the funding away from the police and puts it in the hands of public health officials and people who are trained to deal with somebody having a mental health crisis or who has substance abuse problems and, you know, is, is needing assistance with that. Um, when people are saying, let's defund the police, that doesn't mean that, like, we should entirely get rid of the police force. It means that we should create a culture where we are not so heavily reliant on the work of the police, where we have other people who are able to support the police officers. When we say, things like that. We're not anti-police. We're trying to make our communities safer, including the police officers who live and work in our communities. And um, looking at a local um, level here, the town of Fallsburg and the Fallsburg police recently signed a pledge with My Brother's Keeper. And um, part of that is that they're going to review their policies, hear feedback from the community. So I was hoping this two-part question to get you guys' um, response on that. And then also for um, if any of you were at the Fallsburg protest um, last week, the Fallsburg Police Department and the town supervisor participated in the protest in addition to just being there for security purposes or to ensure the protesters are safe. Um, so I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on all of that. So we were all at that protest um, and, you know, I'm from Fallsburg, so I, I'm always very proud to be from Fallsburg. That's the community that raised me. I was even more proud that day because that is the only protest that I've gone to so far where uh, local elected officials are participating and the police force is participating. And I think that shows a really strong message of unity that when people are demonstrating and saying things like Black Lives Matter, that doesn't you know, negate anything with the police department. I was very proud to see our town supervisor, Steve Vigliante out there and um, Simi Williams, the chief of police in Fallsburg. You know, I, when I was in elementary school, Simi was our dare officer and now he's worked his way up through that um, department and he's now I, I believe he's the chief of police. Um, and he, it was good to hear his message as a black man talking about what it's like for him to be on the police force. Um, and I think it is an important step for them to start the My Brother's Keeper program there. I know it's pretty strong in Monticello and it, and you know, it's a welcome change in Fallsburg too. Um, let me also add, it is very difficult for a black man in the police force to step up, um, speak out. I mean, racism just doesn't exist within the civilian population. It's within these police departments themselves as well it's not as if the chief of police can't be racist. So for a black man to have the courage to stand up 
and speak to his comrades about what is needed, what Black Lives Matter is truly about. That takes a level of confidence that is indescribable. It's nerve wracking. You're always fearful of retaliation to speak up as a black officer. So for him to take that step, it was incredible and it was extremely admirable. I'm really proud um, to be from Fallsburg as well and to see that this is the only place in Sullivan County that had this kind of action from the local leaders. Um, and like Crystal said, it's very scary for black officers to stand up and step out. And I have friends that I've talked to during this and they're like, um, they say like, they're proud of us. They're proud of the three of us for all the work that we're doing. And I'm like, so, so why don't you say anything? What's going on? And they're like, oh, well, we can't. So that's the, so that's why I'm really excited to see that, that at Fallsburg you can. All right, um, that brings us to our last question. Um, despite the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement, acts of racism have continued across the country. There have been protests and some things have gotten accomplished, but ultimately the issue of racism still remains. Um, however, I've seen many opinions at this time, the movement feels different. Um, would you agree? And uh, what needs to happen in order to see real change? So for myself personally, I know this time is very different for me. I have never been this involved, this inspired, this passionate. I was a little scared. I was in school at the time of the first one, so I didn't really want to speak out and be targeted by my classmates. Um, this time around, I met people who didn't care, who weren't afraid to speak out, and it's truly inspiring. I see um, Congress is listening. The first time, it didn't seem like they were. Um, it seems like our voices are being heard. New laws are being passed. I mean, for it to move its way to the NYPD and for these bills to be passed and to surpass whatever the PBA decides, it, it's pretty insane to see what we have been able to do. It's painful that it took the death of an innocent man for this change to be made. But I mean, it was the final straw. People like to call him a martyr, but he's not. He was a victim of racism. He is another innocent man who died at the hands of a police officer with a power kick police officer who was not afraid to be fired, who wasn't afraid of losing his job. Um, so this movement, it is completely different. I think it put spark in people who did not have the spark before. And I've seen an increasing number of non-Black allies. Um, it, it was never like this before. I did not see this sort of support. And it's incredible. It's endearing. It's heartwarming. And it keeps the drive going for this younger generation. The younger generation is truly stepping up. Um, we're speaking out. We're becoming more and more educated on topics we weren't aware of before. Um, a lot of us are registering to vote. I am finally registered to vote. So it just shows that we are changing the world. Um, it took the youth to lead it, but hopefully many more will follow after this. I just kind of also want to echo what Crystal was saying. Um, it does feel different this time. I don't know if it's because we're seeing it more on a local county level. Um, than you know, just going to New York City if we wanted to participate in a protest. Um, so you know, the the protests that are happening in rural counties around the country are kind of a new thing. Um, and I think also the the um, leadership that's been taken up by the youth. I think our our generation isn't scared to have the uncomfortable conversations of you know acknowledging you know my white privilege and how my experience growing up here was different than the experiences of my peers. Um, 
you know, we're, we're the, the age of the internet. So we have these conversations online all day long. And, you know, now we're, we're getting to have them with our peers. And one thing we are really noticing is as we get more involved in politics, this old guard that's um, currently, you know, holding political power, they rely on the disenfranchisement of young voters, of people of color, of people who think that, you know, their vote doesn't have any kind of effect. But when we see that our local village elections have really low turnout, and if we can motivate people to go vote, we can have, you know, candidates that we want to support. And then the next step is candidates who look like us um, and, you know, doing candidate development within our group. So I think it does feel different this time. I think maybe we're a little bit more organized and we have a clear plan and uh, we have change that we want to see happen. And, and we're seeing the immediate effects of the protests. The officers involved in George Floyd's killing were charged um, and then they were charged with heavier crimes. Um, we're, we're seeing the repeal of 50A in New York State and the chokehold ban. Like these are all things that are happening because people are out in the streets demonstrating. I think if we were just to stay home and, you know, not not make any kind of uh, stink about it, that it would just be business as usual, but we're done with business as usual now. We're ready for the change. The last time I was part of the Black Lives Matter movement, it lasted probably a week. Um, we gathered and we gathered multiple times, same way we're gathering here. But I feel like the people that are actually um, coming out to speak are speaking because they're so tired of this and they're speaking from their heart and they're speaking with passion and it's able to motivate people in a way that um we didn't have before because before it was like we're very upset that these things are occurring let's get some change but then nothing happened and this time things are happening we're actually seeing change in our um different government offices different laws being passed and this is really exciting to see. And like the same people that I stood side by side years ago with um, in our Black Lives Matter attire, they are now um, holding higher positions. They have jobs that, you know, that are people of color weren't get, able to get before. Um, so things are definitely changing and things are moving forward. And I'm really excited to see younger people like Crystal getting involved and even younger than that, like some of my students. And I think that the momentum can't stop. It just, it cannot stop this time. We have to keep pushing until we see more. All right. Well, first off, like I said, thank the three of you um, for joining us on your Friday nights to be a part of our podcast and to share your message. Um, uh, you know, I think it's a great thing to see, you know, fellow young people getting involved in, in the county. And, um, you know, I believe your names will probably be heard by a lot more for years to come. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, for everyone listening, you can catch our podcasts on SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. I think I got all of them. And um, that concludes today's episode. So thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you.